This is Questions of Faith on Radio Maria. Today we have with us Father Tony Rogers, who is the parish priest of Our Lady and St. Peter in Alderborough in Suffolk, and Father Luke Goimer, who's parish priest of Brandon and Milden Hall, which is... That's not in Cambridge, is it, Father Luke? Where's Cambridgeshire? Is it Suffolk too? Uh, no, it's it's right. It's um, <laughs> that's not an easy question. One of my churches <laughs> is in Suffolk, and one is in Norfolk. <laughs> so I'm I'm right on the border. How exciting! How exciting! So oh, there it is. It says near the Suffolk and Norfolk border. Helena, just read your lines. <laughs> and so I've got these two gentlemen here that have received some of your questions ahead of time. Thank you for those of you that have emailed questions at. Radio Maria England.uk. And they we are also going to open the studio lines. Beep, 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 all set. So we are ready for your questions. Before we get started though, let's start with a prayer. Uh, Father Tony or Father Luke, who wants to who wants to raise their hand and say, Oh, I'm going with Father Tony. I'm going with Father Tony. Could you lead our program with a prayer, please? Lord, we gather in your presence. We are delighted to be here. We are conscious at this time of the needs of our world, our prayer for peace, and for the needs of people in our own country as well, where poverty seems to be on the increase. So keep us alert to all the ways in which we may be able to help the people of Ukraine, the people in this country and people everywhere and bless our efforts this morning as we try to deepen our faith together amen amen Amen. thank you gentlemen now listeners this is a live radio program for march 25th we are live at 11.02 which means It's your opportunity, listeners, to be part of this discussion, to ask questions. Or perhaps you thought, oh, another thing that Father Tony or Father Luke could mention is this. We are one body in Christ and we've all got uh, different ways to contribute. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping you will, Holy Spirit, come to our listeners, fill them with courage to call in and ask or help uh, reflect on some of the answers. The number is... Zero one two two three three seven five five six four. If you're dialing outside of the United Kingdom, it's zero zero four four one two two three three seven five five six four. Now, gentlemen, I'm so excited, Father Luke, Father Tony. I have never been part of a consecration before. And today, March 25th, on the solemnity of uh, the Annunciation, Radio Maria will be broadcasting Pope Francis's consecration of Ukraine and Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. I don't really know what that means. I don't know what to expect. I don't know. what is there going to be a trumpet? Who knows? Uh, gentlemen, can you help me out? What is, what's going to happen and why are we doing it? Um, which one of us wants to speak first? I think Father Luke, you look like the man with the beginning answer. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know if it was the beginning answer. Um, just, to, just to query, Helena, um, I think you have been part of a consecration before because we, we the, the um, bishops of England and Wales re-consecrated England to Mary's dowry in 2020. <gasps> you are right! I yeah. was! Ah, oh, honey, I mean... This is, uh, this is familiar territory to, to, to many of us in that respect. Um, consecration, the word consecration means to, to set apart, to make holy. Um, but um, when, we, when we talk about consecrating... Um, countries or even consecrating a person because though i know there's a, a spiritual practice of consecrating oneself to um the immaculate heart of mary or to saint joseph or or, or, or whoever um when we say that we're we're setting ourselves apart it's not it's not quite the same thing that we mean it's more of an entrustment um and the idea is that we are entrusting uh, ourselves our situations in this situation uh, this context, a country or two countries, two nations, to 
um, the heart of Mary, the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And it's a great act of uh, prayer. It's a great act of trust, of hope. And it is a way of entrusting this whole situation to Mary, the mother of God, the mother of church, Mary, who is the, the queen of saints uh, and sits very close to God interceding on our behalf. Um, so it, it's it's just a, a beautiful way in joining in uh, globally in this prayer of entrusting the situation to God. I've already done it. Um, I, I did it at Mass this morning. It's quite a long prayer, uh, but quite a, um, a powerful prayer whilst we were, we were saying it, or I said it on behalf of the people. Um, and um, God's outside time, so I'm not quite worried that the Pope hasn't quite said it yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so this, this idea of entrusting um, asking God to, to enter into this situation and, uh, and to, to really um, be with the people, um, not that he isn't already, but to be with them uh, in, a, in a specific way in the coming weeks and months. Um, that's how I understand it, <laughs> Father Tony. Tony I don't uh, know. Father Tony, if you're going to talk, we've got to unmute you, though, because you had some background noise. So I said, nope, mute yourself. There's a, there's a microphone, Father Tony. Tony, that you got to press. There you go. Right, sorry, sorry, you're sorry. Good, you're good. Uh, now, uh, yeah. I, funnily enough, when when Luke was talking, I was I was just saying to myself, there is a better word than consecration, and it's exactly the same word I was thinking of, because it's much more akin in this situation to, you know, handing somebody over into the care of somebody else. Uh, in this case, the people of Ukraine and the people of Russia. And one of the things that has struck me about the Pope's prayer, and I was also going to agree with the comment that it is, it's rather a long prayer. <laughs> but one of the things that struck me about it, it's a very, it's a very different sort of register. The wording of it is quite different from a lot of sort of formal, what I would call fairly flowery um, acts of consecration, you know, that have been around for, for centuries, consecration of the Sacred Heart. Um, this is this is a very much a here and now prayer. Mm. It's the Lord, it, it's, it's the Pope saying, you know, we have mucked up our world somehow in all sorts of terrible ways and and brought devastation. We've 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 strayed from the right path, and we're we need to get back to the right path, and that's not just you know people in Russia or people in the Ukraine, but it's it's a wake up call I think for peace across the world, because I think the the big and frightening awakening of all of us in what's going on at the moment is that we know only too well how easily it could escalate. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so it is, it's, it's our confidence in, in Mary, who on this Feast of the Annunciation was the one above all who, who did God's will and said yes to the most important request in history, in the world's history. Will you be the mother of my son? So, uh, so that's how I see it. It's it's very much saying we we trust you, Mary, as 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 a model for us as the Queen of all the saints. Oh, so so were there any uh, trumpets or anything, Father Luke, when you did it this morning? Is it just a prayer? Do we have to kneel, stand, twirl around, or anything? I don't know what my my brethren in the diocese did. Um, I, I lit lit a candle by the, an icon that we have of, of of Mary on the altar. Oh, sorry, on the on the sanctuary. Um, just before mass, because I was conscious I had to get back here, so I did it before mass. Um, I I invited those present to stand uh, if they were able, and um, and I prayed the prayer. Um, just very simply, I just wore an alb and a stole, and then put the chasuble on for mass. Um, I, I, I read the prayer as prayerfully and as emphatically as I could. And <laughs> um, as, as Tony points out, you know, it's, it's a very different consecration prayer. And I felt quite moved at places whilst I was praying it. 
um, very drawn into it, and I hope I hope the people of um, the people there <laughs> felt drawn into it as well. But no, there weren't any smells or bells. Um, I don't think there needed to be. There was uh, an image of Mary, and there was uh, our hearts crying out um, to God. Oh, excellent. Listeners, the bishops from all around the world are inviting everyone to take part. So if you if you are at home or you're traveling, do tune in to Radio Maria at 4 p.m. and we'll be broadcasting it. If you're at your home and you want to watch it, you can watch on Vatican News and, and EWTN. They'll be streaming it. If you want to take part in person, what a great day to go to Mass. And it could be Father Luke did it this morning. Your parishes might be doing it. And the cathedrals will be definitely doing it as well. Doing this consecration prayer to consecrate Ukraine and Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Excellent. Will they be doing it in Russia as well? Do you guys know? Oh, Father Tony, if you want to talk, you've got to unmute yourself again. I keep muting you so that we don't have the background music noise. There you go. Um, I, yeah, I'm sure they'll be doing it across the world. I don't think this is just something for, for us. By It's certainly not for us by any means because the Pope is doing it. So the people of Russia, um, I mean, the, the, the Catholic community is not a large community in Russia, but they will be doing it. And they will be doing it in the Ukraine as well, most certainly. Um, it just occurred to me that... Uh, uh, I thought it might be nice just to read a line or two of the prayer, just to to see kind of where it's coming from and, and the sort of tone to it. That would be so lovely, just, Father Tony. So let me just read a little bit of the beginning, two or three sentences, because it it just, I think, encapsulates, you know, the, the nature of the problem and and the issue at stake for all of us. And when we feel helpless... We do traditionally turn to God in prayer and say, you know, look, we're not dealing with this very well. So this is how it starts. O Mary, Mother of God and our Mother, in this time of trial we turn to you. As our Mother, you love us and know us. No concern of our heart is hidden from you. Mother of mercy, how often we have experienced your watchful care and your peaceful presence. You never cease to guide us to Jesus, the Prince of Peace. So there we are. That's that's the kind of prayer it is. It's it's saying we've trusted you in the past, Mary. We come to you now because this is a situation that is so big and too big for us to solve on our own. Oh, thank you for that, Father Tony. All right, guys, let's take a music break to uh, hopefully have those courageous listeners call in. Perhaps they are going to this might mean so much to some people that are listening. And maybe they have that, like Father Luke mentioned, that special devotion to these consecrations. Give us a call or ask a question. It could be anything about faith or religious teachings or theology and our guys will help you out. The number is 01223-375-564. Again, it's 01223-375-564.
This is Questions of Faith on Radio Maria. Today we are live here in the studio and I have with us Father Tony and Father Luke answering some of the questions that have been sent in. The phone lines are open, so please know you can call anytime during this program if it is live on a Friday. And the number is 01223. Three seven five five six four. Today, March twenty fifth, is the feast of the Annunciation, the solemnity of the Annunciation. But some people might ask. Well, one person in particular has asked us, "What is the difference between the Annunciation and the Immaculate Conception?" Who wants to take that one on? Okay, I'm happy to start with this one. Um, today is the twenty fifth of March, and. Christmas Day is the 25th of December, nine months later. So this is the feast that marks the conception of Christ. The Immaculate Conception is on the 8th of December. The birthday of Our Lady is on the 8th of September. Again, nine months, months apart. The Immaculate Conception celebrates the Church's faith and teaching that from the beginning of her existence, Mary was preserved from original sin. The Annunciation is the feast, the solemnity that celebrates the message from Gabriel to Mary with the request that she agree to become the mother of God. So two quite, quite different feasts, but because of Mary's role in the place of salvation, that's where we see the Immaculate Conception fitted, fitting in. But we're not, we're, we mustn't confuse the Immaculate Conception and the Annunciation. They are two quite different occasions. That's it. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure Luke has something to I add. I mean, that's a very succinct, clear um, definition of both things. I, I don't know what else to say, except I love this feast. I think the Feast of the Annunciation. Um, is, 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 have you come across, I'm sure you have, um, uh, Bernard of Claveau's homily um, for the Annunciation. Uh, it's often at Christmas. We have it in the Office of Readings, I think, as well, with that whole idea of, you know, the whole of creation waiting with bated breath, um, urging Mary, please, please, you know, don't hold back, say yes. Um, and uh, it's, uh, yeah, you know, that idea is the, the turning point in salvation. This is when Jesus was conceived. Um, but no, no, two very different feasts um, uh, um, celebrating those two uh, beautiful truths of our faith. There's nothing else to add, really. Thank you, gentlemen. Our next question is sent in and uh, I relate to it as well because I'm doing the Bible in the year uh, with the good old friend, Father Mike Schmitz. And we've just gotten into judges. And the question that someone wrote in is how can we reconcile the God of peace, stillness and calm with the God of the Old Testament, where there is so much killing that seems to be approved of? You know, you've got the, you, the what's happening in Ukraine right now with horrendous killings and deaths. Is it the, We know that it's the same God that's in the Old Testament and the New Testament, but how, how, how does he have, is, is he got two different, uh, help us out here, guys. I'm going to go with Father Luke first. Okay. Um, well, the Bible is is not a um, singular book um, which is dictated by God and tells a nice, neat story of, of what God does in the world. It is um, a collection of books with a narrative, and that narrative is how God has spoken to a people, um, shown himself, revealed himself, to a people, and then in the fullness of time, given himself to us in Christ um, and how salvation has, has come from Christ. And what we see in the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures is the beginnings of that story. And in the beginnings of that story, we have um, humanity, which is uh, very broken, uh, humanity, which has gone its own way, a humanity, which is very much in its infancy in terms of um, what it means to be um, moral and uh, to know that there is one God and how to treat each other. And so God 
um, gently reveals himself to this broken humanity. And he has to start somewhere. Um, I'm going to borrow a little bit from Father Mike Smith because he does talk wonderfully about, about this. And he, he uses the, the image, um, he says, look, um, at the time of the, you know, the people of, of Genesis and, and the people of Israel emerged, um, you've got all of these uh, tribes and all of these people sacrificing. Um, uh, ju uh, justice is all over the place. There isn't really a concept of justice. It's revenge and everything else. And, and God has to start somewhere with these people. And where he starts is to introduce very slowly to wean them away from this mentality of, of, of the world. And, and it's a bit like he says, you know, it's, it's teaching them the ABC or teaching them how to count. Um, and once you've learned how to count, uh, then you learn how to do um, some complicated sums. And eventually you'll learn how to do algebra and other things. But you've got to start somewhere. And so what you see in the, the first few books of the Old Testament is God starting somewhere with a broken people. God doesn't want death and destruction. This was never in God's original plan. But he honours our free will. He honours our <laughs> um, mistakes, if you like, and works through them, reveals himself through them. So um, that's the, the general narrative. I could say a lot more about that, but um, I want Father Tony to, to, to come in with it because I feel like I could just go on and then waffle and then I might lose the track of my thoughts. So, <laughs> Tony. Thanks, Luke. That's, what, that's wonderful. I mean, that's, that's exactly where it starts. Um, I often like to think of the Old Testament being a little bit like infant and junior school and the New Testament being secondary school and university. Uh, that, that, yes, God has to start somewhere, and the Old Testament is the ABC. And like children in their infancy, solutions are often, or interpretations are often, incredibly simple. So when a war is won, God is on our side. Uh, when killings take place, they're justified because there are nasty people around. I'm always amused that, you know, at Mass we have what we call an entrance antiphon or an introit, a text, a little scriptural text that is used um, for, 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 for the beginning of Mass. And there was one, I'm not sure whether we still use it, I don't think we do, but there was one for the Feast of the English Martyrs in May, which used to go like this. O oh Lord, the heathen have invaded your sanctuary. Alleluia, alleluia. <laughs> sort of <laughs> rejoicing in this, in this horror. Um, I, I think what we need to remember is that the Old Testament, as you said quite rightly, Luke, it's, it's, it's a whole series of books, not dictated from on high, but written by human beings under the inspiration of God's spirit. Mm. But the interpretations were, were interpretations of their time. It's not God who's changed. It's not God who's mellowed and by the New Testament is a different God, you know, who's not vengeful or wicked. It's, it's simply that the people in the early days of the Old Testament, had a very simplistic view of, you know, what was happening in the world and right and wrong, and God was on the side of right, and where there was wrong, it was punished. The big difference, of course, is that in the New Testament, we have God made visible. The God of the Old Testament is the invisible God, the 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 immortal, invisible God, only wise. But in the New Testament, God is made visible. And Jesus came to essentially unfold the mystery of God's love for his world and, and actually had to, you know, sometimes spell things out when people have got, had got the interpretation and understanding of God wrong. So I think that's the big difference for us, that the New Testament is, is, is the God who sent his son into the world so that we would know his ways better. 
So that's why I use the phrase secondary school or university. Mm-hmm. Um, God's people have grown up a bit and 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 are in a position where they have more, as it were, information and experience and closeness of God to them to be able to work with. Yeah, definitely. And if we want to know what God is like and what he thinks, then we go to that full revelation, don't we? Yeah, we yeah. Do, what does Jesus say? How does yeah. he relate to people? Um, what did he say on the Sermon of the Mount? You know, that we've, we've grown up. And so that that's the authentic um, uh, interpretation then of, of uh, what to make of the scriptures, in, in a sense. Um, the... the um, what did my biblical professor used to say? He used to say post-resurrection verses. Um, and he used to say they were the way in which we should read all of the scriptures. So look at Jesus after the resurrection, then read the scriptures um, through those lenses um, and uh, you know, see, see how we get on. But anyway, um, hopefully that's going to help. That does, that does. Father Mike Schmidt, hold on. Father Luke and Father Tony are coming at you, sharing their own, they're not their own, but teachings for the bible (laughs) there you go listeners this is an opportunity for you to give us a call to share your questions or your reflections on any of the topics that we've talked about today the number is zero one two two three three seven five five six four questions of faith we are live today march 25th uh the time is 11 35 and we'd love for you to be a part of this conversation give us a call with your questions or your reflections on any of the answers you've heard today the number is 01223-375-564 now this question was written in and maybe i, I Maybe, I don't know. I've never heard. So the question is, what are the spiritual weapons at our disposal in this period of upheaval? And I personally have never heard of spiritual weapons. So I'm very interested. Father Luke, Father Tony, who wants to go? I'm I'm thinking Father Tony wants to go first with this answer. What do you think, Father Tony? And make sure you unmute yourself. <laughs> Yes, it's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Spiritual weapons. Um, I was talking to somebody yesterday who is preparing to become a Catholic at Easter. And 
one of the things I said was um, the great thing for me about the church to which I belong is that it's so much bigger than I am. It has the wisdom of centuries. It has the wisdom of people alive. It has the wisdom of the world with its different cultures. And that means it, it saves me from having to have all the wise words and all the answers, uh, you know, coming just from me. Uh, because, you know, I think very often when we are left to our own devices, we don't always speak the truth or, the, or, or, or we don't always speak, you know, what needs to be said. And so I like to see the spiritual weapons being the great treasury of the church's history and life of prayer. We begin, obviously, with the scriptures. We begin with the prayer life of the church. Uh, Father Luke quoted a little bit earlier the writings of people like St. Bernard, because in the, in the office, the, the divine office, the daily prayer of the church, we have not only the Psalms that we read, but we also have the writings of, of the great saints in history who often have just a wonderful way of expressing things. And so, in a sense, the, the kind of treasury of prayer and of spiritual writing and of scripture and of dogmatic statements of the church and of encyclicals and, and all these kind of things are like the church's lifelong equivalent of the internet. It's, it's the resources we go to uh, because we can't do it all on our own. So the spiritual weapons are what are the words we can perhaps share and offer to other people who are looking for some kind of guidance or some understanding of the truth. I love that. Father Tony, <laughs> Father Luke. Um, I love that, the spiritual internet of the church. Um, uh, yeah, um, I suppose as well, my, my mind would go to in this season, not trying to reinvent the wheel, but the, the, you know, the three pillars of Lent, prayer, fasting and almsgiving. Um, they, are, they are tools, weapons, if you will, in, in our faith um, to grow in holiness, to be converted. Prayer, of course, um, absolutely foundational, whatever prayer that is. You know, whether it's um, praying the office, praying the rosary, prayerfully reading the scriptures, um, attending daily mass, having some time of meditation. But prayer is about us being close to God, strengthening our relationship, being changed by God's grace. Um, and if, you know, the closer we are to Christ, the more we are open to his spirit being changed and growing, um, then the more we are effective in the world and in the struggle against evil and temptation. So prayer is, is absolutely foundational. Um, uh, uh, you know, fasting, uh, particularly with, with respect, fasting and abstinence, in respect to, you know, resisting temptation, that, that training of, of willpower and that... Um, being able to to go without also has a, an, another dimension of creating space in our in our day in our life for God, um, but it also creates solidarity, doesn't it? Because when we when we withhold some food or withhold something, we are we can be spiritually in solidarity with those who are less uh, fortunate ourselves, those who have to go without, and that in turn, then can lead us to the, the third pillar, the almsgiving, the reaching out to those who are poor, who are vulnerable, who are in need. And not only does that help them, but that builds spiritually the idea of communion and solidarity in us, that we are part of this body, the church, that there is more of us, that we are not on our own. And when we realise that we're not on our own, then, brothers and sisters, we're standing strong uh, in Christ. So I think um, prayer, fasting and almsgiving, the traditional pillars is, is uh, where I would go with that as well. Oh, I love it. I will admit I'm a, lit, a bit let down. I was hoping for like holy water in a, in a squirt gun or something like that. But no, you're both absolutely right. You're both absolutely right. And I know, um, we'll say that again, say that again. 
I said, if that helps you to come close to Christ, then go for it. But um, I don't think it will for many of you. Um, you, you know, I think you know this, uh, Father Luke, but Kieran from the Ignite team, whenever they do the confession um, talk to the young people, they always bring Nerf guns and... Oh, yeah. the, yeah, and the idea is that they 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 start shooting at a target, and every time he does it, I keep thinking, "What is this? What is this?" And I always, now I think about it, the moms are always like, "Oh, this is spiritual weapons," but it's not. It's about aiming it's about, for the yeah, falling short, missing the target, missing the mark. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah, it's a tried and tested uh, routine that we do. We've done that for many years now. <laughs> The parents had very worried looks when... Throwing things. The Nerf guns is an evolution. There you go. There you go. The parents have very worried looks on their faces when they see it. (laughs) All right. Let's take a break and let's have another song so that listeners, uh, perhaps you would like to call in. Perhaps you have some suggestions of what you're doing to help in your own way with bringing peace in the Ukraine. This is also... Let's open it up the lines. If you are a group i know caritas is doing stuff svp is doing stuff if you're a group that's uh helping uh ukrainian refugees or sending supplies over or something look i'm opening this come share that with your radio maria community let's get the word out there and because that's another way of of fighting the fight in a spiritual way is by donating and supporting and, and praying so if you're doing that give us a call the number is Zero one two two three three seven five five six four. Another again, the number is zero one two two three three seven five five six four. But let's have a little break right now. Maria and questions of faith. Today we have Father Tony and Father Luke joining us and they've been giving us such lovely insight into uh, how God is presented in the Bible and also on the Feast of the Annunciation and a little secret inside tips to the consecration prayer that we invite you to join us on Radio Maria at 4 p.m. today for Pope Francis's consecration of Ukraine and Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. But gentlemen, I am not done with you. I have got 
uh, questions and listeners, you can still call in. There's still time. 01-223-375-564. All right, uh, Father Tony, we'll let you go with this one first. The question is, when a child goes up to Holy Communion, they receive a blessing from the priest because they haven't had their first communion. However, if there's a Eucharistic minister giving out communion and that person gives a blessing, does it have the same value as the blessing from a priest, which is the blessing of God, as the priest stands in the place of Jesus? Uh, This person writes, this worries me. Some children are missing out on a blessing from Jesus who loved children so much. So, Father Tony, what kind of uh, guidance can you give her? Well, I think I've had this point put to me on so many occasions, and it's always fascinated me about blessings. When I was very small, I always remember that the last thing my dad said to me every day was, good night, God bless. Parents use those expressions for their children all the time. They are simply saying, I pray that God will give you a peaceful night, that he will bless you, that he'll look after you today. When children come up prior to their first communion, um, there's no need for them to go to the priest for a blessing. I mean, Luke might disagree with me. I don't mind if he does, but, but, but I think the thing is that the, the child is expecting when they come up that somebody will acknowledge them and not ignore them. And whether it's placing your hand above their head or resting your hand on their head or saying a word, It's not a solemn blessing in the same way that the blessing at the end of Mass is or anything. It's it's simply uh, the priest or the minister, you know, entrusting the child to the care of God and bringing them to the time when they will be receiving communion with their parents and older siblings. So... I, I I don't have any qualms about it, and I, I certainly don't personally think in terms of better blessings and lesser blessings. <laughs> uh, one of the things um, that I think I've always done is actually, um, and it's not just for children, of course, um, adults come forward as well for blessings. Um, but I extend my hand and I say, the Lord feeds you with his blessing. And I might say Amen or Father, Son and Holy Spirit, depending on how I'm feeling. And for adults, I normally say the Lord nourishes you with his blessing. But the idea that at communion we're nourished and we're blessed. And at the moment, this person can't receive communion in the ordinary sense, but they're still being nourished and fed by by Christ at this point. Um, But as you you rightly say, that that, um, the coming up to communion and blessing is not the same as um, a, a solemn blessing of a, of a priest. Um, you know, mechanically, when a priest blesses, if you want to go into the theology of it, yes, there's something else going on. Um, it is the blessing of Christ in a, in a specific way. But that Christ is not bound to, to sacraments. He's not bound to work in just specific ways. Um, so I don't think we need to get into a discussion about what is better or what is worse, especially at Mass, because we forget, don't we, that as long as you're at Mass... You, do, you are dismissed with a solemn blessing. God, God blesses you. Um, everybody gets blessed at Mass. Uh, there's nothing uh, qualitatively different um, about um, a blessing received um, at, uh, at Mass or um, uh, anywhere else. So, um, yeah, the, I, I, I don't see a problem there. Um, but I try, I mean, I don't have ministers in my parish because um, there's not enough of us needed. We used to. We used to have them. We don't at the moment um, because communion's under one kind. But um, I always try and instruct um, uh, ministers when they're giving communion with me um, just to give that idea, to say the Lord feeds you, the Lord blesses you, just to try and um, welcome the person at that moment of uh, what would be communion. 
Oh, that's really lovely. Thank you, Father Tony, and fa- thank you, Father Luke. We have got a caller on the line. Hello, this is Radio Maria. Who is this? Hi, it's Genevieve. Hello, Genevieve. Genevieve, do you have a question or a reflection for Father Tony and Father Luke? Yeah, I was just um, actually thinking of the uh, previous question about weapons. And um, what instantly came to mind was, I think it's in Ephesians, but I may be wrong, when it talks about putting on the the full armour of God, which is, of course, quite military language as well. So you have the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, um, that is the word of God, which is, you know, that's definitely described as, as being a weapon and shoes, of course, that come bringing the gospel of peace. So I was just interested um, in hearing their uh, thoughts on that and, and, and sort of how, you know, because it's such beautiful imagery, um, but I'm sure I'm not the only one sort of thinking, well, what might that look like in practice in terms of, you know, putting on the breastplate of righteousness or the, you know, the helmet of salvation. Um, what a, a sort of Catholic understanding of that might be. Oh, I like that. I like that. Father Tony, Father Luke. Um, yes, that's a, an excellent point because the scripture is full of uh, what we might call military images. And that's because, you know, the, the, the whole of the Bible is about the conflict between good and evil. And in, 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 in Jesus's ministry, of his um, constant um, battle, uh, not only with human authority, but his his battle with the evil one, with Satan. Um, it's very interesting that in the the three accounts of the temptation of Jesus in the desert, um, the the different gospel writers express it in a different way. Uh, St. Mark doesn't say anything about the individual temptations. Uh, it simply says that he was he was taken out into the desert and tempted by the desert by the devil and was alone with the wild beasts. St. Luke tells us that after the devil had tempted Jesus, he waited for an opportune time to do it again. So, the, 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 the language of conflict and the language of battle is the language of battle between good and evil, between Satan and God. And that's why we find it in Scripture. And, and those weapons, if you like, that we use are precisely our resistance to evil, our, our demonstration of good, you know, in 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 you know, Lenten practices like almsgiving um, and Lenten practices like fasting are also a way of defence of saying, you know, we we don't have to have this. So so the, the it's it's very helpful language. It's not meant to be about soldiers fighting, but it's about the the individual battles in which we're caught mm. up mm. And, and the world is caught up. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would agree. So it, it's Ephesians 6. It's that famous passage, isn't it? Um, and I know I some Christians find it helpful to pray that scripture as a way to um, engage in, in the word of God and to uh, you know focus themselves in this spiritual, personal battle against temptation and against evil. And it is, it's powerful language, but the emphasis is on um, God, it's on prayer, it's upon um, going out and preaching the gospel. And so if praying this scripture focuses you and helps you to um, think, okay, well, you know, to enter into um, uh, the, the actions of preaching the gospel, of uh, putting on, you know, put that idea of putting on righteousness. You can't physically put on righteousness. Um, but what you can do is practice righteousness in your day and if you if you started this day with with prayer then there might you might be more aware of opportunities throughout the day where you can be righteous where you can resist sin and and temptation the helmet of salvation you can't put on a helmet of salvation um but you can 
um, keep going and follow Christ and head towards him in all things. So it's a it's a great prayer. It's a it's an image. It's the word of God. Um, but of course, it's not meant to be taken literally. Um, the important thing is, is that we're focused on Christ, that we're prayerful and that we are eager to then spread and to live this good news uh, of the gospel. Oh, Father Luke, you haven't seen Genevieve. She's got uh, she's got a helmet of righteousness with her smile. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless you, Helena. All right. Thank, thank you, you so much, much, Genevieve. Thank you. Bye bye. Oh, bye. just a quick little thing while, I've, while I had Genevieve on is Women Together. Genevieve is one of our co-hosts that will be starting back this coming Wednesday, March 30th at 8.30 p.m. So listen in. Gentlemen, we have run out of time. Oh, my goodness. But I have to have you both back because uh, you're full of such good answers and and kind answers and righteous answers. And what are the other parts of the armor? But anyway, you're full of it all. <laughs> That sounded bad, but you're, you're, thank you guys so much for taking your time and volunteering to speak to our listeners. We've, pleasure. Oh, we've got to end the program. And Father Luke, I believe, could you finish us with a prayer and a blessing? Sure. God, our Father, on this day where we celebrate Mary's yes to you, help us to say yes with our whole hearts and to bring about your presence, your gospel in the world through our yes through our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God be with all families, all friends, everyone you know, all of our listeners, and with the people of Ukraine and Russia this day, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.